0: I'm OJ Nanobi of the Toronto Raptors, and you're listening to the Double Clutch Podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Double Clutch Podcast. I'm one of your usual hosts, Mike Miller. And once again, I am joined by the man known as Coach Hugh. It's Hugh Hopkins.
1: Hello, Mike. Actually, before we start, I have a question. You work in banking, right? So you you must be familiar (laughs) with the sort of sell high and buy low sort of idea. Is, right. now, is now a good time to invest in the big braw- baller brand? <laughs>
0: uh, um, well. Um, I think they've got a great future, you know? I'm, I'm, I'm going to go under the guise of this is not advice uh, because I don't want you to take me to the Financial Ombudsman Service or the FCA or anything like that, uh, which is a really interesting start for this pod. Um, and if I'm going to let my personal preferences come into this there was never a time you should have invested in the big baller brand oh god I thought we were going to get away with not mentioning it actually I was like at least we don't have to cover that topic this week um Yeah, but for those of you that don't know, uh, Lonzo has stripped all <laughs> all reference to BBB from his Instagram and social media accounts, put a uh, picture of him as a toddler wearing a, a Nike tee. Um and it's all to do with one of Lavar's business partners, apparently, um, I don't know if embezzling is the right word in this situation, but certainly there has been $1.5 million disappear somewhere. Um let's
1: avoid the legal terms, shall we, in yeah. case we do get called back uh, uh, on them.
0: <laughs> but, but apparently the guy had a history of financial crime as well, so you know, um that's always a good start. Allegedly,
1: <laughs> allegedly.
0: No, I I thought he was convicted.
1: I, I I'm not getting into this. This is all your work. Uh,
0: well we'll consult the <laughs> DC lawyers. Um <laughs> but yeah, okay, hijack the show right from the start, issue. <laughs> um Brilliant. Uh how you doing?
1: Yeah, very well, thank you. Well, I mean, I'm I'm okay because of, you know, just a few hours before we started recording, of course we had the sort of a bit of a, a a punch in the nuts. Um I guess we don't really know what's going on entirely with NBA London just yet, but we have seen pictures um and more is going to come out tomorrow. So I imagine people listening to this will probably know what's going on, but um yeah, the nba or certainly a sports website in paris released a bunch of pictures with an nba bus at uh, important locations in paris which um and it sort of says coming soon in january 2020 so it certainly looks like our days of nba london are over mike
0: yeah i gotta admit that was a What did you call it? A nut punch? Yeah. A year ago. Yeah. yeah. That's that's the perfect description <laughs> I mean... for it. I mean, I mean, we kind of knew it was on the cards. Yeah. Um, as much as anyone can know that a nut punch is on the card. <laughs> what a great start <laughs> to the show. Um, uh, yeah. What? Well, it's terrible news. I mean, you were at NBA London this year with Josh Coyne um, and Adam, good friend of the show. Adam uh, spoke on the the potential for it to go to Paris in twenty twenty and it seems that that's the way things are going so there's been a couple of releases on on french websites you mentioned the bus there's also huge uh banners outside a town or city hall the city hall of paris actually so yeah city not a town is it um <laughs> i'm gutted yeah to 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 you know as a uk fan that the game is is being taken from us if it is i mean there is there's no official word yet. There probably will be by the time this comes out. And and we've already reached out to the NBA UK office for comment um, as as to what this means for London. Because, th- you know, who knows? Maybe there'll be two games. Complete speculation at this stage. But I can live and hope. And I'm not going to accept NBA London's dead until I've, I've seen the body, uh, essentially. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: um... Well, they, they, it looks like they're wheeling in a coffin. So, I mean, it's... It's really disappointing. In some ways, I, I know what you mean. Like we're, we're speaking now and probably p- people will know by the time this is out. But, you know, some ideas we were kicking around even when we were at NBA London earlier this year. Um, and certainly since we've spoken about it on Slack, um, you know, they, they could sort of do a home and away game. Because one of the mm-hmm. one of the frustrating things, I think, for teams must be the fact that they lose a home game. Um, because one team has to be a home team, one one team has to be an away team. So if you are taking two teams away, one of them has to, you know, be the de facto home team in London. But of course, you've got none of your own fans, none of your... Um, there's, there's no sort of encouragement for you to be there, and it makes it that much tougher. And if you're, you know, if you're teetering on the edge of a playoff position, then I imagine you'd be kind of gutted that you didn't have that home game, because you know, a home crowd is so much better in those situations. Um so who knows, we may see like um you know, two teams come over, let's say Golden State Warriors and Los Angeles Lakers. We could see Golden State Warriors have the home game in London and then the Lakers have the home game in Paris. But why I'm going into this much detail I don't know because you know
0: I don't either because now people are going to be expecting uh the Golden State Warriors to come next year and, and the likelihood based on past performance, is that it's more likely to be uh <laughs> the
1: Atlanta Hawks
0: t- yeah the Atlanta Hawks will be hosting uh let's say the Charlotte Hornets um or something like that
1: yeah well <laughs> anyway it's we don't yeah we don't know the full story yet but um I mean I I Sort of wrote a lengthy piece a few a a week or two after NBA London sort of talking about its, uh you know its long term, you know, its long term term capabilities or potential in the UK and I think I was sort of you know coming to the conclusion that you know London's still going to be a market for the NBA but maybe I don't know maybe they'll send over WNBA teams maybe they'll do stuff in the summer months you know with with one or two ambassadors or something like that. They I don't think they're going to they're going to just pack up everything that they've quote unquote built in London in the past nine, ten years, you know, they I don't think they're going to abandon the marketplace entirely, but certainly the regular season game for 2020 doesn't look like it's on the cards as we speak. But
0: uh, yeah, and, and Silva was quite open and honest. You mentioned obviously being there. I've got your article in front of me. Uh it was a prominent subject at NBA Commissioner Adam Silver's press conference prior to the London game, when eight of the twelve questions he was asked referenced the annual European regular season game being played elsewhere. He said, quote, "It is possible. It is something we're looking at very closely, and uh, that and look, look, put my teeth back in. We're looking at very closely, and that is playing a regular season game in Paris for next season. So he, you know, he 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 didn't. They haven't hidden this. No. It's something that they've been quite upfront about." You know we've had it for for nine years the regular season game it's sold out for nine years straight every year it comes over as much as we love the fact it's coming there is always so much noise about people complaining that they can't get tickets yeah so now it's going to be the, the you know the complaining that they can't get over to to France or whatever which you know we just like to moan we're British yeah that, that's yeah. that's you know part of our our national history um for me I'm, I'm a little bit torn because uh, although it's quite easy for me to get to london i think i might actually be closer on the train to paris where i'm based so uh celavi
1: uh <laughs> I, I could just imagine you donning a, a beret now mike and uh
0: yeah, yeah I'm, I'm i'm slowly uh putting on my Wearing long sleeves shirt. blue and white hoops yeah. t-shirt uh my beret i'm shaving in uh, shaving off my beard and, and putting in the mustache um <laughs> I've got my garlic cloves all ready to go, and uh, I have a baguette ready as well. So I'm going full French for this. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'm going to be gutted if London's dead. But to be honest, I don't, I don't think we've done enough as a country to to support the no, game and no. and to deserve it. Essentially, I think there are much more deserving countries on the continent, uh, and maybe this is the sort of slap in the face we need. And and you know, we're not, we shouldn't be so self-entitled i think as a a fair word uh, as as a fan base because we you know we have the highest consumption of of league pass subscriptions in europe and the second highest uh nba store usage i'll call it um so there's obviously an appetite there
1: yeah yeah i wonder whether it's like i mean you you and i have spoken about this before where fans are sort of you know over here, I I don't know about you, but like I I grew up. I was I was by far the biggest basketball fan in my school. You know, there yeah. were others, and there are people who still reach out to me today who I was in school with and say, oh, how about them? How about them Golden State Warriors, eh? And you know they <laughs> because if if Steph Curry does something fantastic or you know that goes viral, but there's this this certainly been you know I feel like I've sort of had to. Uh, you know not hide not that I'm ashamed of my basketball fandom but it's 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 never a hot topic around the water cooler at work you know it's no. more it, people are talking about something called f- football and <laughs> you know I, I I don't really know what to make of that sport I don't know if it'll catch on but it certainly seems to be gaining popularity much quicker than than, fo- than basketball does so I mean we we'll see. We'll see. Fingers crossed that there is some NBA presence, you know, there. And I think like you you've said it on Twitter and I, I certainly said it as well. Um, you know, a big thank you to the NBA UK offices. Um they've uh, for the past few years certainly since Double Clutch has been going, they they've been very supportive of of us as a website and a podcast mm-hmm. and um you know, I think a big a big thank you goes to them for, you know, helping us, uh, I guess, grow as a website. Oh, God, it's almost like I'm getting emotional now. But, yeah, um, you,
0: are you accepting an award or something? I, I see, it's just don't <laughs> play the music yet. I mean, I've got some more people to thank.
1: Um, yeah, it's it, it'll be a shame, but, you know, we're, we'll see what happens in the future. I don't think it's going to go away entirely.
0: No, fingers crossed. But for the for the meantime, it's au revoir, bon voyage, and... Uh, oh. Yeah, if you're French, uh, merci beaucoup. <laughs> um, let's quickly move on to something else. Then last week on the pod uh, with yourself and uh, mighty Joe Holbert, uh, we jinxed a couple of teams. I think we, we, yeah, we, I kind of feel DC bad about Curse. This. So so we spoke about Brogdon and McCollum last week and the the impact their franchises, uh, the, the impact on their respective franchises of their injuries, and both teams have gone through the ringer. Uh, since then. We'll start with Nurkic, who suffered a compound fracture, for anyone querying what a compound means. Uh, Any injury in which a broken bone pierces the skin. So uh, get your spewing emojis ready. Um, He had a a career high and a double overtime, 148-144 win over the Nets. In just 33 minutes, 51 seconds, he had 32-16-5, with two steals and four blocks. And it's his second full season with the Blazers. He's he's just 24. Like I, oh, really? I forget how yeah. young he is. He's a 24-year-old, yeah. averaging 15.6, 10.4, 3.2, which are all career highs. So obviously, he's out indefinitely. Uh, he had successful surgery on Tuesday to to put his leg back together. Um, And I know you're on the same boat as me on this. I've not watched the clip. I've completely avoided it. I cannot stand things like that at yeah. all.
1: It's more that, like, I mean wouldn't you just hate it to happen to you, you know, it is going to put him out for such a long time that I don't want to, it's, you know, I, I don't, I don't mind the gore of it, I'm, you know, I'm pretty comfortable with that side of things, it's just, it's just, I, I don't know, I, not that I find it disrespectful, but, like, I, a couple of people on Twitter have said, I'm not going to be reposting this video, because it's, it's gruesome, and it's horrible, and, and I think that's, that's where, where I sort of stand on it, it's like, do, do i really need to see this and do other people need to see this just you know i feel i feel terrible for the guy like you know you ran through a couple of his uh his stats there but he is he is having season highs across the board the, the thing that i'm most impressed with is um going into it, some deeper numbers he's he's having great plus minus um and more so on the defensive end so when he's on the floor, his team is uh, 3.5 points better. And uh, that places him ninth in the NBA uh, on defense uh, in terms of pl- defensive plus minus. So like, I I remember him in in Denver and I remember when he moved over to to the Trailblazers and I thought, well, he's he's a bit like, like Enos Kanter. You know, he's got that same sort of like just offensive bit of a bully game. And he, he's probably more skilled than Enos. But I think uh, that that was my impression of him when he was leaving Denver. But actually, he's he's a pretty solid defensive guy, in the oh, he certainly has become so in the past in the past year and a half. And yeah, I I feel so bad for him. But beyond that, I've, I mean, I feel really bad for Damian Lillard as well. Um, I mean, this guy he hasn't had the the career he deserves. I think um, he's you know he's one of the best leaders we've probably ever seen in the nba and uh, i just feel like every year there's something that stops him from going as far as he can take a team um this year it's obviously the injury last year it was coming up against a juggernaut in anthony davis and the pelicans uh the the year before i'm pretty sure Nurkic was injured the year before when he when he first came over
0: yeah he Uh, got injured just after a decent run like he had a yeah. Yeah. He had a really sort of pumped arri- uh, arrival where he, he played out of his skin and then he got hurt. I think yeah. he broke a leg then as well, actually, but oh, not a compound really? fracture.
1: Well, yeah. I, I don't know. I just feel like I just feel like he's had the the worst, what some of the worst luck because, um, I mean, him and CJ p- play great together, and I and I hope they don't blow up the team because and, and I, I hope they, in some ways, I hope they keep Terry Stotts as well because I think even though he's not the the greatest coach in the league i think he does he, i think he has actually shown improvement over the years i don't know how you feel you're mm-hmm. you're, you're a trailblazers fan you you, you...
0: I, I think stotts is a great coach i think he has been hampered by neil Olshey as, as the gm giving out ridiculous con- contracts which is where the, my conversations tend to go with the blazers most of the time uh to mys leonard mo harkless evan turner et al um, and, and you were right about his, his injury in 2017. It was a non displaced right leg fibula fracture. So he's had a couple of, of leg injuries, which what, is. What leg is the compound
1: one? The
0: current. Uh, looking at the picture right now, left leg, because I can see a still of it.
1: Well, at it, least it's it, not the break. same one, because that could, uh, uh, you know, it, if, if it shows signs on one, on one particular leg, then that leg is obviously weakening over time and getting worse. So, you know, hopefully hopefully he takes off next season and you know gets fully repaired and yeah you know hopefully he comes back with both legs working just as well as each other and yeah fingers crossed what I found
0: that was really good is like not only the outpouring from from fellow NBA players a it, sort of a respect for him um but at the the Boz, Bosnian national football teams game the crowd were chanting for him as well and oh it's really? like, can you imagine? That's cool. yeah that's that's amazing so you know, this is this is a guy for you know from f- playing in a different part of the world. Can you imagine if if a, if a Brit did that? Can you imagine if Deng, when Deng was at his all-star peak level, had suffered? A similar kind of injury. Do you th- do you think there would have been any sort of similar <laughs> d- display of affection for I, him? If uh,
1: if we were a football match, we could have tried to start it, but I think we would have got some confusing looks. Yeah, uh,
0: or, or a beating. One of those. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's move on from from Nurkic and his his injury. Actually, before we do, I just I just wonder, like you know, this type of freak injury. Do you think they're becoming more frequent? Because I sat there and I I went through in my head, and I've, I know I've missed someone. But in the last three or four years, we had, we had Kevin Ware uh, in college, Paul George, Jeremy Lynn, Gordon Hayward, all suffering weird freak injuries where parts of their bodies were, end up bending ways they shouldn't um, uh, yeah. and in places they shouldn't.
1: I mean, I think they... I, I, I mean, my, my history of, of the injuries of the NBA isn't, isn't you know... The, the, incredibly strong is but i i reckon there were probably other injuries but uh, you know that were pretty terrible but that being said i think um i think the the game it is today yeah, if you if you think back to 90s basketball everybody has this image of 90s basketball where uh, nobody leaves the nobody steps beyond the three-point line every bit all 10 players are cramped inside the arc and uh, basically it's just it's just banging against bodies so it's all upper body stuff and there's very few people flying high enough to actually uh, have these freak accidents Like, like Gordon Hayward did a few years ago or like Paul George did a few years ago where they were both above the rim they landed awkwardly you know i think players are so much more athletic now that they can do things that you know puts their bodies at greater risk um whereas you know when people were back playing in 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 converse chuck taylors and you know and and you know they they would have different types of injuries because they, they didn't have the equipment to look after their bodies whereas i think they you know in recent years i reckon bodies yeah they, they still degrade but I mean you know we have so much better like rest patterns and things like that that perhaps you don't see the same amount and same number of niggling injuries that keeps you know players rest and whatnot yeah. but I think so, so what
0: you're saying essentially is that the evolution of of sports science and almost like you know fitness regimes could have whilst removing the niggling smaller less serious repetitive injuries means that at some point because of the the additional load you're taking could cause a more significant
1: injury i guess so and just the speed and the the height that these players jump and run to you know like i the amount of times i've seen i've seen russell westbrook run the full length of the floor and and I, i just think oh god how is that how is the force that he's using to dunk a basketball not breaking his his wrist?
0: What I was gonna say, if you're gonna say his knees, it definitely no. has. It's broken his knees before.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, but uh, you know that again. That it's the it's the frequency. I think there's possibly fewer niggling injuries, but the bigger injuries they, they are few and far between. But I think they are more noticeable. Um, I don't know. That's just a general feel. You know, it's it's not. Obviously, I don't yeah, have we, the
0: science or the data to back that up, but yeah. Okay, uh, so let's let's move on then to some more uh, niggling injuries then. We we obviously spoke about Malcolm Brogdon out uh, with a heel injury, a um, plantar fascia tear in his right foot. He's out for a while. Uh, but on the Bucks as well, we've also now got Nikola Mirotic, who uh, he's fractured his left thumb and expected to miss two to four weeks. Uh your friend Powell, Pau Gazol is uh expected to miss approximately one month with a left ankle injury. Uh and rookie Dante DiVincenzo uh is out for the rest of the season with bilateral heel bursitis. Um what a poor, you know, what is there's no worse time of year to get hit by injuries like this than now when you're you know six or seven games away from the playoffs starting um and trying to hit your sort of your next level you're you're sort of gearing up you want to be sort of fresh and ready for the playoffs but also sort of at that point where you're just ready to go and it.
1: ah. well I mean that's why you see so many people buying into the whole rest thing these days isn't it so many coaches leaning into it a bit more because at this time of year injuries do pile up and actually I think I mean I don't think I'm going to be contradicting what I was just talking about but I would say about three or four years ago. Do you remember when we were having those seasons where we sort of had back-to-back-to-back games? And, you know, it it felt like every every team that had a high-usage player, that high-usage player would go down in a a major way towards the end of the season. I think that's lessened, actually, in recent years. Um, And, yeah, you know, we do still have the dramatic injuries. But I would be interested to see, like, you know, players some data around players that are sort of averaging more than say i don't know 25 minutes and the number of the number of injuries at the tail end of the season that would be really interesting data to try and dive into if i was a better podcaster i probably would have prepared something like that before <laughs> i got on
0: but well I, I don't have something quite like that um but in terms of we're talking like the bucks they're actually really good at managing minutes. The, yeah. the highest logged minutes is thirty-two point nine. That's that's Yanis. That's, that's not a lot at all for your your star player. It's, it's kind of bizarre actually that he, they've managed to keep him that far down, considering someone like you know Bradley Beal. Even he's at thirty-seven point six and leads the league in, in minutes per game. You know, fair enough. An extra five minutes might not seem like a lot, but across an eighty-two game season, that's that's a, a heck of a lot of extra minutes. Um, how, how much do you think these injuries are going to affect the Bucks going into to the offseason? Obviously, they they had uh, a win on Tuesday night that we'll get into in a minute. But from my perspective, um, Gasol and Di Vincenzo, um they would have had re- reduced roles in the playoffs anyway. As we start to see rotations get shortened, Miritich and, uh, and 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 Bro- you know Brogdon, we said last week it was it was a significant loss, but Miritich as well. Although he's not been what they probably wanted him to be just yet. He's a he's a spark plug on both ends of the floor. Um, how how do you see this these impacts affecting the overall success of of Milwaukee's postseason challenge?
1: I think I, honestly, I think they're quite a deep team. You know, you 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 listed off a couple of names there, but you know, you've you still got uh, you still got Chris Middleton, you've still got Eric Bledsoe, you've still got a lot of the other you know guys who like you said are going to be in the top eight or top seven if you need to shorten the rotation that much going deep into the playoffs um i think it's you certainly don't want to lose bodies go, going into the playoffs like you said you want to be hitting your stride and you want to make sure that you're everybody's firing on all cylinders but i think i i don't know i i think the only thing that can beat the bucks are you know is perhaps a little bit of inexperience but also the the teams coming up behind them like they i i don't think this season if they don't win a championship or don't make it to the finals i don't think necessarily you know and touch wood unless, unless we you know improve increase the curse and uh, uh, actually <laughs> you know get get more players bumped up uh, bumped off the list then um then yeah i think i think they're going to be okay um, that being said, I think you know the there's a couple of teams that are, like the Raptors. I think actually, I don't I don't hear enough people talking about them. But I think they're a giant threat. Um,
0: oh, it's the anti Canada conspiracy. It's every year. No one no one talks enough about the Raptors. I, I I'm sort of saying that tongue in cheek, but I think there is actually like a, a, a some truth to it. The, the like the Raptors and and the single Canadian team never seem to get enough love. Yeah. Even last year, as they won the, the regular season conference. Obviously they didn't win the, the conference in the playoffs. Um which is a really poorly way of wording that. So obviously they want they they finished first in the East, we'll say. They didn't win the conference. Uh and then they obviously got bumped by the Cavs. Um they just they never get they don't even get Christmas Day games. And I think they've been phenomenal this year. Really and the way tough. they've Yeah, and the way they've done it with without for a significant period of time Kawhi Leonard who for, you know whatever he issues he's still dealing with uh, he's not available every single game he's only going to play what um, sort of 70% of the games this season and yet they in his absence they are just as good they're not missing a beat
1: yeah so I mean they've I was looking it up earlier they've they've uh, so with kawaii they've gone 37 and 18 right which is uh that means you're winning 67 percent of your games just over a third of your games without kawaii they've played um I, I think i've got these stats right they've they've played they've gone 15 and 5 without him which means that they're winning 75 percent of their games now that is terrifying if you're going mm-hmm. in if you're going into the into the eastern conference finals and you are facing a fully healthy because let's be honest he is fully healthy um a a fully healthy Kawhi. you know you've got danny green you've got a couple of other pascal siakam these are all long-rangey people to go up against yannis and chris middleton and even you know marking uh brooke lopez outside you know that that's actually, I want to see it because the first game of the season between the Bucks and the Raptors, uh, neither Giannis or Kawhi played. Um, yep. And uh, I think the, so outside of that game, uh, the, the Bucks won that game. But outside of that, the Bucks have won two to one. So, you know, Kawhi versus Giannis, both of them were playing uh, the the Bucks are winning two to one, but I just think in a seven game series, you know, it's gonna be especially with the experience on the on the Spurs team. You got, you know, I just mentioned, you know, Kawhi's won a finals MVP. Uh, Danny Green's been to his fair few finals. You know, even even Kyle Lowry. I know he's never really performed in the playoffs, but my God, he's been there for a good number of years now. He knows what it takes to. Yeah, he he knows what to expect, you know. Yeah, uh,
0: Mark Gasol, Serge Mark Abaker, Gazzal, Yeah, these are all so many like big. Ne- you know, they're not necessarily at the, the peak of their career anymore, but guys who have who have performed on big stages.
1: Yeah, yeah, they they're gonna be scary, and I I think you know there there's a lot of um I mean the interesting stories are in Boston. You know, Philly has been interesting all season. Um, you know, you've got Indiana. That that's kind of a cool story. The fact that they're still. I I think as we speak, they're still holding down a top four seed, um, and then you've got a, a really interesting race at the bottom of the Eastern Conference. You know who's going to get in? It's between four different teams, I think. So, I you know everybody's just ignoring the Raptors, but ignore them at your peril. They're going to be they're going to be dangerous.
0: Yeah, a- absolutely. Um, so we sort of talking about the Bucks there on Tuesday. They uh, they beat the Rockets, one hundred eight to ninety four. It was it was sort of pitted. As the battle of the MVPs, we'll call it MVP mageddon or something. Um, <laughs>
1: that was terrible. <laughs> it was
0: terrible, wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> but it really didn't turn out to be that. And I can't believe this is—you know—these these are still quality performances that are put out. But uh, the Bucks held Harden to twenty-three points, ten assists, and seven rebounds. That's almost a triple double. But they held him to 34.6% from the field, 9 of 26 shooting, 1 of 9 from, fr- from 3, which is 11.1%. Um, and it's just, you know, he, he played 37 minutes, 55 seconds. In 32 minutes, 41, Yanis put up 19, 14, and 4. It's, it's just, you know, th- these aren't the numbers they've been putting up all season, but they are both big games. They just didn't feel like superstar games to me.
1: Um yeah but I think right the I think this comes down to the coaching honestly um like I don't think my personal opinion is that Yanis doesn't actually need to play at an MVP level to 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 be the MVP um how however you want to sort of everybody has their own spec there's no set of guidelines for voting for MVP my, my personal guidelines is you either need to be a top two uh, team in in your conference. Uh, you need to be the, you know, the leader of that team, whether that means... It doesn't necessarily have to mean points, but I think you should be a, a big contributor in that area. Um, I think you should be decent on both ends of the floor, is my personal opinion. But in previous seasons, some people who have just been useful on one end of the floor, they, you know, they, they might be crap on defence. Um, <laughs> Russell Westbrook, you know they, <laughs> but they might have won it, and um, and that's fine. He deserved it, but at the same time, I think, and you know, I don't want to take anything away from James Harden. He has actually been an improvement on defense this year, but the the team planned for James Harden perfectly. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna get a bit nerdy now, um, and talk a bit about uh, Houston offense, right? They tend to when James Harden has the ball. He he actually doesn't uh, enjoy playing in a pick and roll all that much, and he's actually, you know, he's so talented that he doesn't really need it. Sometimes they throw one out. Sometimes they put Capella up the up there, but he can actually go one on one, um, and that's how the Bucks played him. What they did is they sat on his left hand side, which is his shooting arm. So basically, it was incredibly difficult to get a three point shot off. And they actually let him drive quite, you know, unchallenged into the into the mid range area. Um, they sacked off uh, the, whoever was um, not guarding Clint Capella on the baseline because there's normally four players on the on the baseline because that's how Houston likes to play. Um, they they sort of doubled Clint Capella off the ball, so whoever was sort of. Closest to the basket, they could put a body in front of James Harden, and uh, it, it made the pass incredibly difficult to get off to Clint Capella, and it, it it meant the the original defender, usually Eric Bledsoe on Tuesday, could sort of you know trail behind James Harden, and he actually got two block shots on him during the game. Big and, uh, blocks. Big blocks, and big blocks. I think they just they prepared for him perfectly, you know, and I think that's when brilliant coaching like we've spoken about it last week but you know he's Mike Buddenholz he's probably going to get coach of the year in my opinion you know they I think they just prepared for him and that's my concern going into the playoffs is every year a good coach prepares for James Harden and that's when he starts to fall apart a little bit which is why um I think my personal MVP between the two is probably Giannis Antetokounmpo
0: interesting um so yeah i, th- I think the, the basic principle that they they went with was was you, you're exactly right the, the, You force harden off the three-point line where he is the most prolific three-point shooter in the league this year um you you give up the mid-range it was interesting one of the stats i picked up which was really uh quite interesting was that for the season james harden has taken 68 shots in the paint that were not at the rim so that's that's Less than one a game because we're in the late 70s now. Against the Bucks, he took seven. So they they they've completely opened up that that um, short game, but away from the rim. You're right. There was the the, the help that was coming from Capella's man. Usually, Brook Lopez uh, would sag off. Um, quite often, they let they let Harden go back to his left hand, and he forced these weird little floaters, which didn't fall for whatever reason. But, but you're right that that secondary help coming from the the weak side baseline. Just it just made things just insanely difficult for Capella. It was great to see that because normally, if they get loose, Capella is just going for eighteen to twenty on on lobs yeah. basically, and they just completely shut him down. And you essentially made Capella become a distributor. And I thought it it was just it was just incredibly well played. Um, and it all starts from the basic concepts that you probably teach the kids you coach. That is, if you're the defensive player force the offensive player to his weaker hand. Yeah. And yeah. It, it just it just took him out of his comfort zone. Um they obviously tried it earlier in the season, uh, when when they, they faced off. And it kind of sets the blueprint for how other teams should coach him. And you're right, this something that they're gonna try and highlight in uh in the playoffs when when you sort of have to strategize and plan to for, for specific issues, he didn't make any adjustments, it didn't seem like he, he was going to, uh, in that game. And uh, I'm just trying to have a look now, like, because although they tried it earlier in the season, it didn't quite work as well the first time round because he ended up with 42. Yeah, uh, I mean, but so it,
1: the, it, you know, J- James Harden still did get plenty of shots, and some of them just didn't oh yeah, go down, did. you know, he and a lot of those, like you said, mid range sort of, but slightly slightly in the paint, slightly outside the paint, sort of unusual shots that he doesn't normally take, I imagine he could probably, you know, on some nights he could probably hit a lot more of those. He's still going to get points. And I remember uh, I was watching the post-game interview with uh, with Eric Bledsoe, and he said, well, he's always going to score, you know? Mm. The only thing you can do is take away what he wants to do and make him score in other ways. And how many points a game does... does uh, does Harden get off off you know three pointers that is what his entire offense is built around now if you can limit that then you know and just get him scoring two points every time he's down the floor then you you're probably gonna cut at least 10 points off his scoring average you know it's it it just seems like it's the uh, it's it's an offense that can be figured out, and that and that's my concern. Uh, now, don't get me wrong; Dan Tony is an offensive genius. I'm sure. Come playoff time, he's probably got a couple of things pocketed himself. You know, he'll be able to adjust as well. But I think we've seen for a couple of years now that the Rockets they they fall short, and it's because they don't have, you know, the versatility to be able to to adjust their mindset going into these big games.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, one of the other key things for me was was how cleanly they played Harden on defense. Yeah, I, I only remember oh, one yeah. silly foul, and it was um, George Hill's sort of was on his left side playing him high, and and Harden stepped sideways and pulled up for three, and and Hill just randomly jumped into him, <laughs> and I was just like, what? Hold, "Hold on, what?" Well, um, I
1: think um, that particular player. I remember that one. That, like, one of the things that James Harden is renowned for is the step back. You know, and but I think uh, I was intrigued by the way that they were playing him. George Hill didn't play him as well as Eric Bledsoe played. Yeah, agree. But um, he was still on that left side and. I think, I think Harden was getting frustrated that he actually couldn't get a shot off because he couldn't get that step back because the player was on their left-hand side the entire time. So he actually took, he actually took a side step instead of a step back. And uh, I think that possibly threw George Hill off that he wasn't really expecting him to be going that way. And then the shot was up and that's what, you know, I mean, I don't know. It, it might've just been George Hill trying to foul him and, uh, and James Harden trying to get frustrated and draw the, draw the foul. But Regardless, I think, yeah, I I think he, he did, you know the 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 Bucks did a solid job of defending him, and yeah, I think uh, I think Harden and D'Antoni did a less good job at trying to adjust to that.
0: Yeah, um, and I know you mentioned that that Yanis is your choice. Um, I wouldn't be upset if Harden was the MVP, like. Oh I, no! No, definitely I, not he he's an incredible talent um if if you look at what he's done this season he's always averaging 35 points a game over which is just ridiculous um but in terms of and I am I'm writing a piece on this at the minute actually uh about whether that's a a product of circumstance or whether he's the creator of the circumstance because obviously he's the perfect fit for De'Antoni's system but I wonder if that that because, because it's geared through him so much to the point where he, his usage rate this season is the second highest usage rate in NBA history back to when they started recording it in 1977. And the only one higher was, was was Russell Westbrook's MVP season two years ago. Um, like, there, there's a downside to Hardenball, if, which is what I'm going to call it for the time being, in, in that if he has an off game, they struggle to fill the void, and I think that's because those players are not used to having to carry a load. Like it's all great when it's working well, because you know it's easy to make shots when everything's going your way. But who who can step up in his absence? Because Chris Paul is becoming less and less the Chris Paul that we've all you know grown to either love or hate, depending on where you, <laughs> how you feel about him, but appreciate nonetheless o- o- over the years. Clint Capella is is still a guy who. Despite his size and athleticism and improvements, is still only the player he is because of Harden and his ability to to just catch lobs. The rest of the guys like Eric Gordon are, are infrequent. Uh, Tucker, I think, is great and did a great job on Giannis, and We'll probably get to that in a minute. Um, but the rest of the guys, there's just there's just not enough there from them. If if and their bench scoring is the worst in the league, like by far. That that disappoints me, and 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 then this next that and I realise this is skewed. But if you took Harden's points off the uh, the Rockets, and in fact if you re- you could reduce them down, because obviously he's leading the league in points, it's going to it's going to have a massive impact. But they would drop way down, way down that list if you started if you went with with someone with uh, who's still a decent scorer, but not leading the league in scoring. I just kind of feel that. I get that he is the best player on the floor and quite often at times having the best player on the floor will mean that you win a series but at the same time this is a team game there are there are 10 bodies on the floor at a time and if your other four players can't step up you are making the defense's job that much easier you are you're, you know as, as great as as Bud's schemes were if if the Rockets have been able to shoot from outside I can't believe how many air balls I saw yesterday um if the rockets had been able to shoot from outside, they'd have they'd have stretched that defense and opened up those opportunities.
1: It's it's going back to uh, I mean uh, there, there was a, a good article written by Archie Archie Corbett on the on double clutch a few weeks ago. Um, it was about the pace Spurs, um, and it was essentially about how how Indiana's mid range game is sort of you know it's it's keeping them afloat you know, but ultimately what it gave a nod to was the fact that they have a system. And it was the same, it's the same as the Spurs. They have a system. And what, what having a system means is that, is that anyone can fit into it. Now, when you have superstar players to add into that system, for example, like a Tim Duncan, or even going back even further, if you've got a triangle uh, offensive system that the Lakers used to run and the Bulls used to run, and you have a superstar, it can take that system and elevate it. If you build a system around a player, a single player, that's not. That means that when that player is removed, so is the offense, and uh, I think uh, you know as as good as D'Antoni is. I mean, you know, he introduced the world to seven seconds or less, which which made superstars out of so many players on the Phoenix Suns, um, that probably didn't deserve to to score as many points or receive as many contracts as they did, but. You know he he is he is an offensive genius, but at the same time, it was, it was this the system that helped some of those, perhaps subpar offensive players and sub subpar teammates. You know contribute to to big wins, uh, deep into the playoffs year after year. But if you have an offensive player who is the system, that's not going to win you. Championships, in my opinion, I don't think it ever has in the history of the league.
0: No, I I struggle to think of one where it's, it's taken, you know, one player alone. I mean, one player can get you over the line.
1: Maybe, maybe Dirk Nowitzki in in twenty eleven, maybe. But even then, well, that the,
0: the team that had Sean Marion and, and Jason Kidd on it, I,
1: exactly that that was.
0: And, and Tyson Chandler. Yeah, uh, you know, so
1: even looking back now, it, clearly, you know, it was more of a team effort than you think. I, I know he gets he gets the main rewards for that championship, and yeah. quite rightly so. He was the best player, just as Tim Duncan did, just as Michael Jordan did, just as LeBron did when he was winning championships all those years ago. Um, but, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, it was built on a team concept, and I mm. think most championship teams are.
0: Yeah. I mean what the Rockets have done considering they started the year 11 and 14 to be in the fourth seed yeah. four games back on the top seed is amazing. Like if you if you discount those those 25 first games their winning percentage is 72%. So that is and, that's easily the one seed. And
1: the majority of that was Harden, which is why I wouldn't yeah. I wouldn't be mad if he wins the MVP. But I ran through my list earlier of what I want to see. If they if the Houston Rockets can get into that second seed I I would have no problem with it. If they stick in the third seed or they're battling for a slightly lower seed, I mean they only need to lose one or two games and they slip back to the in the same way that the Oklahoma City Thunder have slipped back, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to just tumble down the Western Conference because it's so tight. But, you know, if they can break into that second seed, then I would I would have no problem with him receiving, you know, an MVP trophy.
0: Yeah, uh, so just for the record, I'm I'm Team Yannis. I've said it. I've said it publicly. Yeah, did uh, that I, I think I've had a, a Twitter debate about it as well in recent months. That I may or may not have saved, just in case I need to bring it back <laughs> when they announce things. Uh, <laughs> like God, I hope summer. that wasn't with me. I don't think it was. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. It's all right. There was even a poll involved as well. Um, uh, so there's lots of members of the the double clutch. Uh, community out there who have voted on it as well so uh <laughs> just know that i am watching you silently <laughs> waiting for my moment um but of course it may not happen and if it does i'll make sure that we uh re-edit and overdub this section uh, <laughs> uh, um so let's segue then from from the mvp talk and we can do it nicely um by linking two players who may or may not have been involved in uh Relationships with the same family. Uh, so we're going to move over to a guy who's out the league now. Um, an article that you 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 shared with us this morning, actually, on the Double Clutch Slack, um, in the Players Tribune about a 13 year vet, Chris Humphreys, who's most famous for his off court exploits, uh, as he self proclaims in in his um, in in his article. And I found it a really interesting article, and it was a, a great share actually, in, in terms of just how people have to reassess their goals if they want to stay in the league for a long time yeah um you know i didn't know anything about chris Humphreys, and and for those of you who you know for whatever reason don't know anything or even if you don't care just go and read this because it will change your mind like this guy was an elite uh junior swimmer like beat phelps he was that good uh and then became one of only sort of only 1.2 percent of ncaa players make it to the nba and he's one who not only did that But became a thirteen-year NBA vet off the back of it. Um, So I know you wanted to discuss this in in particular. Uh, What was it about it that sort of stuck out to you? You
1: It was more. It was just. It was just a really like you know. You only ever see, especially on these players tribune things. You always see the ones with Steph, or you see, you know, you see LeBron writing about his move back to Cleveland, or you see Kobe and his and his ode to basketball when he retired, and and I just thought. It, it's really beautiful to be able to see the game from from a different point of view like you said he he played a good number of years in 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 the nba i mean he never really sort of astounded anyone with with, with any fantastic stats i mean i'm just having a having a quick flick through now but his his highest scoring season was 13 points per game you know that's not going to blow anyone away but what he did was realize the importance of of just doing the the boring the difficult things that you don't really get credit for um after after i think what he described as you know a bit of a disappointing start he thought he was going to be this great player and you know he sort of uh, uh, and from the sound of it <laughs> from his his memory uh, he he seemed like a bit of a dick at times, you know, because... Yeah, because... I mean,
0: that that is what he <laughs> describes himself as. Yeah,
1: he, because he, you know, he wanted to be good. He wanted to be the the player that everybody was talking about. And it it, it ended up being that it, players and the league and everybody spoke about him because he ended up going out with or being married to um one of the Kardashians. I don't even know which one, so please don't ask me which one. But it doesn't really matter, does it? <laughs> um, but he he ended up being a lot in headlines, and then of course they ended up getting divorced, and then I think if it's the same one, uh, you know that they ended up going going out with another NBA player, and and uh, I don't know, it was because of how popular his wife or ex wife was, he ended up getting booed across the entire league, and yeah, he like I said he only ever averaged more than 10 points twice in his career he was you know you don't normally have that level of hate and level of uh sort of recognition of who you are especially if it's not your day job you know all these players they all get they all get lots of love and or hate or attention at least because they are the stars of the league you know but when it's someone who is you know I, I i mean who would be the equivalent today uh, you know an 8 9 point scorer you know someone who generally keeps his head down but uh, you, you know in terms of out of the public eye but i i'm not i'm not really sure who who that player would be maybe davis Bertans. and uh, you know <laughs> he, he just goes out he plays but people yeah. people on his team know him but the fans of that team know him but you know nobody really knows who davis Bertans is um so you know why should anyone care it's like davis Bertans being hated around the league but who knows that guy and yet this uh, chris humphreys who it, the article you know it's well written he seems like a genuinely lovely guy these days and i just thought it was a really nice I, i'd i'd recommend uh, heading over to it maybe maybe we can tweet it out of the uh, dc um twitter account from uh, after the show and yeah, hopefully people can pick up on it cuz it was really really fascinating read.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I just find, you know, having had such success as an elite swimmer then to transition and become an elite Yeah, I had no athlete idea. in another sport. And you know, he talks about doing what was it, 500 push-ups and 1000 sit-ups a day uh as a teenager whilst watching Yeah, I, the I NBA need to, on I need TV. to do my
1: quota today actually. I haven't done Yeah,
0: I I might have managed that in a decade. <laughs> um <laughs> and like and this is one of the things I was saying before is is that to get to the NBA, you need to be really, really, really good. You need to have dominated, to a degree, the sport at a high level. And so to, in order to get to that point, you need to have a pretty strong mentality and, and sort of an idea of who you are and what you're going to be and a drive and a confidence. But I find it really interesting that he then quickly realised that he wasn't going to be this star, this scorer, or even a starter as he expected he would be, and it's like a lot of guys can't make that adjustment, yeah, and and fall out of the league. Like I, I remember Ricky Davies when LeBron was drafted to Cleveland. There's a great Ricky Davies quote who was just like a, a, a you know a, a gunner. Um, and just an out and out scorer and that was a- about it and he was like I honestly thought they were bringing LeBron here to pass me the ball and it's it's, <laughs> it's a genuine statement and it's like he he didn't last as as long as he probably should have in the league and and and
1: like Adam Morrison because- and players like that you know Adam Morrison was one of the best college players of all time you know and I think I think he was drafted number 1 overall and it, but and yeah he couldn't assimilate to the NBA game because he wasn't he he wasn't given the ball every time he wasn't relied upon he he had to fit into i can't remember who he's drafted by the bobcats was it yeah um and Thir- third pick yeah third in 2006 third pick. and uh, you know it's the the nba is littered with players like that and i, re- I remember speaking to john Amici uh, a few months ago at nba london actually and um, well it, it wasn't directly to me to be fair it was part of a, a junior nba camp and um and he was saying that even in the UK he wasn't like the third or fourth most talented player on his team in the UK but what he did was work on the boring aspects of the game you know he set screens better than anybody else he grabbed rebounds better than anybody else and you know he he knew to he knew how to pass out of the post and uh, i i think sometimes those those players who just you know are born to be role players they don't get enough credit um and when and especially when you go from being a star to a role player i think that's even tougher so mm-hmm. so hats off to chris Humphreys. um yeah well, well done he's had a he had a solid career and yeah you'll you know hopefully he enjoys the next the next the, the rest of his uh the rest of his life whatever he's doing with it
0: yeah uh just one point on adam morrison um And I think Chris makes this point as well, you know, about fitting in in the locker room. One of the stories I love about Aaron Morrison is that he refused to take showers. Yeah, and so he used to just distinct.
1: Maybe maybe that's why he didn't get many more contracts (laughs) after that.
0: Yeah, but I'm surprised that the defense would get close enough to him. To be fair, like, (laughs) but anyway, uh, so we'll we'll tweet that out so people can, um, you know, people can check that out. So let's move on to games of the week. Hugh, what's your what's your game of the week?
1: Um, Well, I think like. If you look ahead to Friday, mind you, some people might be listening to this a little bit later and might have already passed, but the on Friday night, there's a really good game between the Nuggets and the Thunder. Now, it's it's in Oklahoma, um, and I think the Thunder need this win, to be honest. They've been struggling a bit recently, so they need to build some momentum. What better way to do that at home with a big win over you know, a team that might be the first or second seed in the conference? Um, But at the same time, the Nuggets, I think, you know, they really want that top seed because they've never really been in the playoffs before. They don't really know what it's going to be like. They need home court advantage throughout the playoffs if they stand any chance of going deep, in my personal opinion. They're young. They need that home court uh, familiarity. So they're going to be gunning for that number one spot and they won't want to lose this game. Uh, I think that's gonna be yeah. I think that's gonna be an exciting one. So yeah, I'd make sure everybody tunes in. That I think it's at midnight if I remember correctly.
0: Okay, cool. Uh, my suggestion is the Charlotte Hornets at the Golden State Warriors at one thirty a.m. on Sunday. Um, the Warriors you mentioned, uh, the Nuggets just there. They're they're sort of battling with the Warriors for that number one spot. Uh, so it could have a repercussion there in terms of the Hornets. They are fighting. Uh, tooth and nail to keep their season alive. They've won four straight at the time of recording, including uh, the game against Toronto. Jeremy Lamb's half-court heat. Did you see that? That was crazy. That was insane. And then Kemba, did he drop 38 on your Spurs last night? How
1: about we stop talking now? Oh, right, okay. (laughs) Um,
0: So, I mean, their season may well be over by Sunday. Uh, Yeah. But you can guarantee if it's not, that is going to be a game to watch.
1: And they're both, both of those games, they're on Sky Sports, I believe, aren't they? So... If you're, a... um, no, I don't think the Hornets one is actually. Oh, is it not? Fair enough. Well, the one, the certainly the Friday one is. So, if you're a Sky Sports subscriber, I'm pretty sure you'll be able to uh, be able to watch that.
0: Uh, so, anything else you want to cover at all, Hugh?
1: Um, no, there's going to be a couple of articles going up in the next few days. Uh, there's going to be one on the seventy sixes. Uh, and just just how their process is going. Um, but yeah, keep your eye out, and also, um, I mean, I know we. I don't think we spoke about this last time, but at this time of year, sometimes you get a bit lethargic. You just want the playoffs to start. Uh, there was a pretty good roundtable uh, article that we put together on double clutch, uh, where you can um, yeah, where, where you can sort of you know find out the top five most burning questions in the NBA. Oh, and a bit of personal stuff as well. Um, manager Ginobili uh, had his jersey retired, or he's having it retired tonight. Um, I looked back on his career from a sort of FIBA perspective and how how he was he he might be in the past 20 years the the most important international basketball player. Um, And yeah, so you can you can read that. I'll tweet that. uh, Check out my uh, my Twitter um, account for that. And hopefully, yeah, and check out Mike's Twitter account as well. You want to reel them off?
0: Yeah, so you can be found at coach underscore Hugh. Uh, I can be found at Mike Miller underscore time. If you're not already following the site on all social media platforms, you need to get on there and click follow for at double clutch uk do it across all the social media platforms that sounds really random isn't it? all the social all media the socia- uh, it know, sounds facebook, like my twitter. granddad trying to tell me about <laughs> yeah <social> i know <laughs> <laughs> brilliant facebook twitter instagram we're all over that uh if you've got any questions or want to get in touch email us admin at double uk and whatever you're listening to this podcast on right now and i'm talking uh, i'm talking service versus what device uh whether it's spotify iTunes, whatever it is, go and review us, please. Give us five stars. That'd be good, wouldn't it? Yeah, give us five stars. And leave leave us some nice nice comments to read through. It makes our day. Um, But thank you very, very much for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. See you soon. Peace out.